Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're talking transfer portal and new coaching hires. Uh, We'll get to bowl season next week. Uh, I want to do a a deeper dive and and maybe get a couple guests on here to talk about some of those bowl games. But we will get to there, but we're going to talk about transfer portal and we're going to talk about coaching changes here uh, this morning, if you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe. Make sure to keep locked in here as we go deep into bowl season and obviously the college football playoff as not one, but two Big Ten teams are in the playoff, at least as of 2024. Yes, we are talking about Washington and it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun few weeks as we talk about bowl season, but let's right get right to it. Uh, we're going to talk transfer portal and I want to talk about the names in the transfer portal, but I also want to talk about maybe a surprise, a a program surprise for the the portal. Um, but let's just, let's just get to it. There's been a lot of players that have entered from, uh, the, the big 10 that have been a surprise. You know, we, we talked a lot about Indiana players going into the portal and Michigan State players going to the portal, and a lot of that I think had to do with uh, Jonathan Smith coming in for Michigan State, and we talked about his coaching hire back uh, a, a while back, and then obviously Indiana because they fired uh, head coach Tom Allen. A lot of those guys have been uh, coming out uh, in the portal, but. Since then, there have been a number of names that have been surprising ever since uh, I recorded. I, you know, Deion Burks from Purdue, uh, se- several receivers from Purdue, TJ Sheffield. But Deion Burks being one of the uh, being one of the surprises out of Purdue, 47 receptions at a six, 629 yards this past season, uh, seven touchdowns. So that was a surprise to see his name in there. Uh, Chimre DK out of Wisconsin, another receiver, had a disappointing season compared to a year ago. Uh, a year ago, you know, 19 receptions for 328 yards. He did battle injury this year, so that was a surprise. Um, Jalen Lucas uh, out of Indiana just announced that he was going to be in the, the transfer portal, and so that was again a, a surprise. Nebraska quarterback tech, uh, Jeff Sims in the transfer portal. Not too surprising. I think people could kind of see the writing on the wall, you know, with different quarterback, trying different quarterbacks. I think there's a lot of speculation that Nebraska might get a, a quarterback in the portal. And one of those quarterback options that people think they might see Nebraska go is another transfer. And this is where I'm going to center a lot of the transfer portal conversation is a lot of people think Nebraska is going to get Kyle McCord out of Ohio State, which is obviously the biggest name out there right now, I think, from the Big Ten. Kyle McCord announced Monday morning 
uh, the the first day I think you could officially announce, although a lot of people were announcing before this, that he would be entering the transfer portal. And in fact, I found this out as uh, I was leading a team meeting and I got a text from my, my good friend, Tony Beard. He says, excited to hear what you have to say about the transfer portal. And I was like, oh boy, somebody big, uh, somebody big left to go to the transfer portal. And it was Kyle McCord. And it was a, a bit surprising, but we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, but there's a lot of high profile, higher profile transfers uh, out of Ohio State that was, I think, a bit surprising to me. Um, Jair Brown, Kai Stokes, those were key reserves for Ohio State in the back end. Julian Fleming, a uh, four-year player for Ohio State, was like the number th- number one overall recruit, according to ESPN, back in 2020, uh, entered the transfer portal. He did walk senior day, so I was surprised. You know, I wasn't surprised that he was leaving. I was just surprised that he's transferring. Um, but I could see him wanting maybe a, a, one more year to kind of prove himself. Uh, Reed Carrico entered the transfer portal, key reserve at linebacker. But the, the, the reality is the big name was Kyle McCord. And then another big name followed last yesterday, and that was Chip Trainum. Chip Trainum, the uh, backup running back for Ohio State, had the game-winning touchdown against Notre Dame. He had another year of eligibility left. And, again, a, a surprising name out of the transfer portal. So, or added to the transfer portal. And so, uh, there's a lot. I think there's 13 players overall from Ohio State leaving. And I think it's surprising. And, and people... When people see a mass exodus, they, they think of one of two things, I think, or maybe one of three things. One is that it makes sense because the coach is leaving. So Michigan State and Indiana, it, may, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, right? You, you lose the coach that recruited you. You lose relationships. And you're like... I don't want to be here anymore because the coach that recruited me, the coach that promised me, the coach that made me feel welcome, he's not here anymore. Or it's not the head coach, it's like your position coach. And so I've uh, DK out of Wisconsin, a lot of people speculate that because the wide receivers coach got hired away to Notre Dame, that's why he's leaving because he doesn't want to be at a place where his position coach that's been been there, he, he wants to follow him. That That's possible. You, you never know. Um, but when you see, so that's one, one thing, another option when you see a mass exodus of, of talent and players is you think, oh, there's something bad with the culture there. And a lot of people are pointing fingers at Ohio state right now saying the culture at Ohio state, this is not good. This is not good. This is not good. A third thing is and you see this at Alabama, is, oh, it's roster turnover because they're just trying to get the cream of the crop. And so there's a real question about this with Ohio State. What, like, what's going on in Columbus? Because a lot of key reserves 
are are leaving. Now, now, when I say key, I don't mean like they were definitively going to get starting positions, but it was quality depth. A lot of people were high on Kai Stokes. Um, a lot of people were high on Jair Brown, and and Ryan Turner is another corner who's in the in the transfer portal. You know, Julian Fleming was not never really lived up to the billing in terms of being a top flight receiver in terms of statistics. But like he was a good locker room guy, was a just fantastic blocker on the edge. And so that, you know, he's leaving. And then of course your starting quarterback, he's gone. He's leaving. Now, why? What's going on? Has Ryan Day lost the locker room? I am pretty critical about Ryan Day. I don't think he's lost the locker room. I I don't think that's the case. He said in his bowl preview of Missouri uh, in the Cotton Bowl, he expected everyone to play, which I find hard to believe. I don't think I don't think Marvin Harrison would play. Uh, he's probably going to be the number two, number three overall pick in the, the NFL draft. But. When he said, I believe everyone's going to play, and then he got a question about Kyle McCord and about whether he would be the starter. And he said, you know, we're reevaluating everything, which I thought was interesting. Now, he said that on December 3rd, and then December 4th, Kyle McCord announces he's transferring. Now, the word is at least that I've been seeing is that there was a meeting between Ryan Day and Kyle and Kyle's dad, basically with Kyle saying, I want to be the start. Like, I want to be assured that I'm going to be the starter. And Ryan Day said something to the effect of, we would love you to stay. We'd love you to compete, but I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to be the starter next year. And because of that, because there wasn't an assurance of playing time, there wasn't an assurance that Ryan Day wouldn't go out into the transfer portal. He left. Um, and he's going to go somewhere where maybe it, it is assured. This It's a hard thing because I, I'll, I'll talk about it from Kyle's perspective first. You just had a, you know, a good season. Not a great season. Not an excellent season. But a good season, right? You went 11-1. and one. You're a game-winning comeback away from 12-0 and and probably being the number one seed in the playoff. If you don't get hit on that throw to, to Marvin Harrison at the end of the Michigan game, it may not be an interception. It might be a touchdown or at least a big play that then gets you in position to have a game, game-winning throw. So it's hard, you know, and your only loss is on the road to the number one team Oh, currently the number one team in the college football playoff rankings. You know, and granted, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot more to the story, right? Third straight loss to the Wolverines, uh, keeps you out of the playoff, keeps you out of the Big Ten championship game, all that stuff, right? But the, the fact is, he lost one game as a starter, hit over three thousand yards, four to one touchdown to interception ratio, and he did that with a makeshift offensive line, and a lot of key injuries throughout the year. So 
it, it's it's hard because you know he it's not like he had a bad season. He had a good season. He was a a good starter for Ohio State. And yet it it it, it was staggering and and I think this is one of the hard things. He was coming in after I think 10 years of really good quarterback play. You know, as as much as people trash JT Barrett for his time at Ohio State, he was a consummate leader. He was a run threat and he really he grew as a passer throughout his time at Ohio State. You know, and he's he has a national championship ring. I know he didn't start for that national championship, but he has a national championship ring. You know, then you had Dwayne Haskins, uh, who rewrote the record books. Then you had Justin Fields. Then you had C.J. Stroud, who C.J. Stroud right now might be a top five quarterback in the, in the NFL. And you compare Kyle to those quarterbacks and what they could do, whether it was J.T. Barrett as a run threat, whether it was um, Dwayne with his arm, Justin with both his legs and his arm, CJ with, you know, just dicing people up with accuracy. It left something to be desired. And that that's not necessarily Kyle's fault. It's just the reality that the quarterback position at Ohio State for the past 10 years has been just very dynamic. And... Kyle had like that Kyle was was very good in certain areas but he didn't see the field well. You know, he you know the 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 first interception against Michigan showcased that. Um so because of that I don't think Ohio State fans took to him too kindly. And so I think he got a lot of unnecessary and unfair hatred from the fan base. All that being said, so so Kyle, I think, is leaving one because I, I don't think he was ever appreciated like he should have been. Um, and two, I, I don't think uh, Ryan Day guaranteed a, a quarterback position. Now, if you're an Ohio State fan and you're like, yay, Kyle is gone. We're going to go get somebody in the portal. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. My, my question in all this has, has been... Who are you going to get that's better? Who are you going to get that's better? If you get someone like Dante Moore, it blows up your quarterback room. Right? Dante Moore is young and he would want to compete for multiple years. Well, you you have a quarterback room with Devin Brown, Lincoln Keedholtz, and a a rookie or a five-star freshman in Aaron Noland who's coming in. And if basically you get a transfer – that is, you know, is coming for playing time for maybe the next two to three years, you're basically telling those guys, well, I don't think you're good enough. And they're all going to leave. That's not a good idea. So you can't go after a potential. You can't do that. So it leaves you with, you know, a a four-year guy, a five-year, fifth-year guy, Riley Leonard's a name. I think Will Rogers is a name uh, to look out for. Cam Ward. People have are are saying that Cam Ward is like silently committed to Ohio State. 
I think if I think people need to understand that Cam Ward is maybe more inconsistent than Kyle McCord. Like Cam Ward's the quarterback out of Washington State, dynamic with his legs, has a has a great arm, but he is very inconsistent. And there's a reason why Washington State, who I thought had a really good start to the season with a win over Wisconsin, they ended the year five and seven. Like that that's the reality is Washington Washington State was inconsistent, and a big part of that was Cam Ward. And so he's got a lot of tools. But I I think if Cam Ward is is at Ohio State next year, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's a national championship quarterback. I would argue it's not. I would say that's that's a good gateway to get beat by lesser teams. Because they'll have the backbreaking play. So I don't I don't know what the uh, like I, if I'm Ohio State, I'm hoping that the quarterback battle that you saw at the beginning of the season, where Devin Brown was close to Kyle McCord, that Devin Brown can really take this thing, or that Lincoln Keenholz is the future. Because I'll be honest, I don't think a transfer is going to do it. I, I think your your transfer options, I don't think many of them are are as good as Kyle, especially Kyle with three years in the system. And I know Kyle has not developed the way that you want him to, but I, I just I, be careful what you wish for is what I would say. I, I think the best option for Ohio State is that Devin Brown or Lincoln Keenholz uh, really seizes the job. And we're going to see one of them in uh, in the Cotton Bowl because Kyle is not playing in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the, the other thing, so Chip Trainum in the transfer portal, a lot of people, there's smoke to this. So we won't know until he actually says it. I think part of the reason why Chip Trainum is leaving is because there's a lot of smoke to the idea that Travion Henderson is returning, which I would be shocked by because, you know, running back shelf life is small and he's already struggled with injuries, but apparently he and a number of Ohio State starters did not get the NFL draft grades that they thought they would. And I think apparently he might be coming back for a senior season. Now, that's not official. That's that's just smoke that I've heard from the podcast network and, and other message boards and whatnot. So we, we know message boards. They, they're not always accurate. But that is one of the things that uh, Austin Ward out of, out of uh, the podcast network reported is – if you look at who is leaving for Ohio State, it should give you an idea of who's returning. Which would make sense as to why a lot of reserves are transferring. Because they're like, oh, I thought I was going to have a shot next year, and the guys that I thought were leaving, they're not. So, that's that's something to look out for for Ohio State. Um, all that being said, I think if you're on the, on the side of Ohio State's doing roster management... And they're they're going to be like Alabama next year, and they're getting all the best players. Hold your horses because Ryan Day's never done that, and I think this could blow up in his face. I think if you're on the other side, and you're sitting there, and you're like, "Oh, there's pro- there's trouble in Columbus." Hold your horses because I I I don't think it's I I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. I think. This could work out well for Ohio State. 
And they could, you know, remember, Georgia and Michigan and Alabama have really navigated the portal well over the past several years, and they've been the best teams in in college football. So I, I do think that Ohio State is starting to get more into that realm of roster management that other teams have. But just realize, Ryan Day has not done this before, and... It'll be interesting to see how it works out. A um, couple other things. So big hire for Penn State. Andy Kotelnicki was hired as the new offensive coordinator. I think it's a great hire. I think it's a just phenomenal hire for Penn State. You know, Penn State has always thrived when they have had a, you know, a elite offensive coordinator. So... When they got Joe Moorhead, you know, and, and remember, those were the Trace McSorley, the Trace McSorley offenses with Saquon Barkley. Helps to have a Saquon Barkley. But I think this is a great move. You know, if you look at Kotelnicki's resume, uh, he was at Kansas the past three years, and Kansas has really become a, a very offensively gifted program. Before that, he was at Buffalo. So he's with Lance Leipold for several years. And then before that, he was at uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, and he was with Lance Leipold at Wisconsin Whitewater. If you're like, what's what's Wisconsin Whitewater? Uh, they were a, they're a D3 school who is a perennial powerhouse in Division Three, And so he has been a good to great offensive coordinator wherever he's gone. In uh, in Division Three, in the MAC, in the Big Twelve, I have a lot of confidence that he will be good for Penn State. If, and here's the big if, if James Franklin can get out of his way, because I'm I'm concerned. This is my one concern, and I've I've been concerned about it. You know, with Drew, with Drew Aller and with with other drop back quarterbacks, I think James Franklin has done well with mobile quarterbacks, with a zone read style of offense. And now, granted, Kansas has been more of a zone read type of team. You know, they've had the threat of quarterback run, along with dynamic running backs. Drew Aller has athleticism for sure. But he is much more of a, a grip it and rip it type of type of quarterback, right? He's he's gonna stand back, scan the field. Uh, can they adjust the offense? Now, I th- I think Kotelnicki probably can. My my one concern is will James Franklin let him play to the player's strengths, and will he will he let him mix in? some of those quarterback run designs sparingly, but enough to kind of keep the defense off, honest. I, I think I, I think this is a good position. And it's, it's a good – here's the key thing for Penn State. This year and next year, 2023-2024, is I think the window for Penn State to take – it has been the window for Penn State to really get up to that upper tier, Right? I thought this year they would be 
they would really be competitive. They only lost to Michigan and Ohio State, but those are the teams they don't want to lose to. I think next year they've got they've got to take advantage of the talent that they have. Right? They've got the running backs that are dynamic. They've got the quarterback. You know, they're they're always going to be good on defense with Manny Diaz uh coordinating that defense. They've got to figure out how to make this work now because they have the guys now. And so I know they're they're shopping for this sounds bad. They're shopping for a receiver, but they are. They're trying to get a dynamic receiver. They're trying to they're trying to get better on the outside because that's a key thing that they need. They upgraded the offensive coordinator position, which is really good. But this is all about 2024 winning the Big 10 and getting getting to the 12 team playoff. Which this year they would have gotten to the 12 team playoff. But I'm not sure they would have done much in it. Next year is all about getting, preparing for that playoff and trying to get to the Big Ten championship game. That's what next year is about. And so I think it's a great hire. I think, I think it's really going to put them in a position to compete for the top of the conference. So good on them. Great hire. Uh, I'm going to end with Kurt Signetti the new head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. I love this hire. I love this hire. I I think it's about the best hire you could have had. And before you're like, who's who's Kurt Signetti again? Well, this is his resume. So he's a 62-year-old coach. So he's been in coaching for a while. And he's been all over the place. He was uh, a GA at Pittsburgh, and then he's, he's done time at Davison, Rice, Temple, Pitt, NC State, Alabama. So that's, you know, and he's been a position coach. He was a quarterback's coach for a long time, wide receiver coach, receivers, uh, receiving, receivers coordinate, uh, coordinator, um, tight ends coach. Like he's done everything. And then he became a head coach, and he's been a head coach uh, at three stops. Uh, IUP, uh, Elon, and then James Madison. If you're like, what's IUP? It's uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. That's, That's what that is. And everywhere he's been a head coach, he has won, and he has won consistently. Does not have a losing season. Does not have a losing season at all. And at JMU, he lost nine games in five years, which is incredible. Three of those seasons, it was in as part of the Colonial Athletic Association. Association. He finished two, three, and three in the country in the FCS. And his only losses in the playoffs were to the eventual national champion. His his worst loss was by eight points. And so, like, those seasons, uh, I believe he went 33-5. and five. Um, And, of course, in the playoffs, you know, won every game until he got either to the semifinal or to the championship. And he, uh, the, event, the loss was to the eventual national champion. Then James Madison went up a level and was part of the Sun Belt Conference. Went eight and three the first year, 
and then this year won the Sun Belt. Um, now, they didn't actually win the Sun Belt because they were ineligible for the conference championship because of shenanigans, but they were good enough to be there. And even though, even though they weren't supposed to get a bowl game, uh, they were able to get a bowl game because reasons. The NCAA is weird. Um, so fifty-two and nine at James Madison, he, uh, fourteen and nine at Elon, fifty-three and seventeen at IUP. He has won everywhere he's gone. He's been successful wherever he's gone. Just incredible coach. And so, you know, he he knows how to how to win. Now the question is, can Indiana become a, a spot to build? Because the Big Ten's about to get a lot harder. Granted, they don't have to deal with Ohio State and Michigan every year anymore and Penn State every year anymore. But now they do have to deal with Oregon and Washington and USC and UCLA, which are – that's no cakewalk, right? But remember, Indiana has really started to commit more more resources to their program. I mean to get rid of Tom Allen and have to pay a buyout of $20.8 million, I think they – they may have negotiated it down a little bit, but to invest that much money to get rid of a guy, it showcases how they mean business. And Kurt Signetti is not backing down. My favorite thing about him, so I, I think in the Big Ten at least, most Big Ten schools, typically when you get hired and if it's during the winter, you go and give a pregame speech and an introduction at a basketball, at a basketball game. Right. And so Kurt Signetti, he goes, if you haven't heard this, it's great. You should go watch it. He goes to the basketball game for the Indiana Hoosiers and he's introduced as the new football coach. And he's like, I'm excited to invest. I'm excited to invest here. It's going to be great. And then he just said, Purdue sucks. And I'm like, all right, he gets it. The rivalry. And then he has the, the gusto to say, and Michigan and Ohio State suck too. And I was like, oh, dang. And it tells me a couple things. If you're a Michigan fan or Ohio State fan and you're like chuckling because it's like, oh, it's Indiana, whatever. Listen, this guy knows where he is and knows where he wants to go. He knows he's got to beat Purdue. He knows bare minimum that's our rival, and that's who we got to beat. But he's also telling the fans, hey, I'm not staying at the bottom. I know who, the, who runs this conference. I know it's Michigan and Ohio State. And you know what? They suck. I'm going to beat them. Now, whether they do or not, that's, that's – I, I think – it's going to take some time, right? Indiana has not been a well-built program for several years. But remember, 2020, as I know it was bizarre world, Indiana came pretty close to beating Ohio State. And they have beaten Michigan. Not this version of Michigan, but they, they have beaten Michigan in the past uh, several years. And so this guy, he is... I think what I appreciate about it, he's not letting the cult the the past and the culture dictate his expectations. 
He's saying, I know where I want to go. I'm going to tell these fans where I want to go. We are not going to, we're not going to back down. And I think it's great for the Hoosiers. And I think especially if you look at, you know, the Hoosiers and, and what, who they're going to be and who the, even in this new world of college, college football with the 12 team playoff, um, I, I think there's a lot there's a lot to like here. And, you know, just even looking at their schedule, you know, just I want to pull up their schedule for a minute, what their, their schedule looks like. You know, there's I think there's opportunity for them to be a bowl team, right? Now they, they don't avoid the big two in Ohio State. And, and Michigan. But if they get the right pieces in the transfer portal, you know, you got FIU, Florida Inter- Florida International, Western Illinois, and Charlotte. Those are your non-conference games. Those are, poss- I think, possible wins. You go to UCLA, and depending on UCLA, you know, that's that's not – it's not a gimme for sure. I think UCLA will be favored. But that's that's a winnable game. You know, I think Maryland, with all the roster tr- turnover that they're going to have, I think could be winnable. You know, at Northwestern could be winnable. Nebraska could be winnable. Michigan State, with where they're at, and, you know, they've got to rebuild. That could be winnable. And then you have, you know, you have Washington, Michigan, and Ohio State. And then you have Purdue at the end. And I think P- Purdue is obviously winnable. So I, I'm i not going to start by saying, oh, they're definitely going to go six and six and and get a bowl game. But I'll tell you, my confidence is a lot higher after that. And I know it's just a small pregame speech, but it's not, it's not from, it's not from a guy like Tom Allen, right? Like no offense to Tom Allen. Tom Allen was a coordinator. He got promoted internally, never was a head coach. That's not who this guy is. That's why these words matter because Kurt Signetti has won everywhere he's gone he has won even when, you know, even when they, they haven't been a good program, right? He's won at every level. And so it makes you think, okay, this guy knows what to do. And it's not like Indiana hasn't recruited good talent in the past. Now, I know they've lost a lot of their key guys. But I think, you know, I think he's got some juice. And, I, again, this is – I'll compare him to a different guy. And I know he's older. I know Kurt is older. But, you know, someone else who would have this type of juice, I think of as P.J. Fleck. P.J. Fleck, to me, never really earned it. And I, I've, been, I've been very critical of P.J. Fleck, right? Um, P.J. Fleck had a really good year at Minnesota in 2019. Um, but if you look at his, his resume, his coaching resume, he was a head coach at Western Michigan, and that was it. And at Western Michigan, he was, he was okay, Right, like he had a one and eleven season, a couple of eight and five seasons, and then you know had the big year where they went to the Cotton Bowl and went thirteen and one, and so he had a four year track record. Kurt has a thirteen year track record over three different schools, different divisions. Um, so I just, yeah, I just think. I, I like this hire. I like his gusto. I'm excited for the Hoosiers. 
I'm really excited for the Hoosiers. So that's that'll do it for this edition of the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Rem- remember to like, follow, subscribe, leave a review. A um, number of you guys left uh, comments, which I really appreciate it, which I'll get to in the next podcast. Um, detailing kind of frustrations with Florida State being left out. We'll get to that next time. But appreciate you all. Take care. God bless.